You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. The Clash, The Clash. On the line I have Rob. Oh, yeah. Ben. I don't want to hear about what the rich are doing. John. Uh Uh-huh. And Kyle. Hi there. The Clash is a self-titled debut studio album by the English punk rock band The Clash. It was released on the 8th of April, 1977 through CBS Records. The producer was Mickey Foote, and the genre is punk rock. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Never mind the bollocks, may have appeared revolutionary, but The Clash's eponymous debut album was pure, unadulterated rage and fury, fueled by passion for both rock and roll and revolution. Though the cliche about punk rock was that the bands couldn't play, the key to The Clash is that although they gave the illusion, they really could play. Hard. The charging, relentless rhythms, primal three-chord rockers, and the poor sound quality give the album a nervy, vital energy. Joe Strummer's slurred wails perfectly complement the edgy rock, while Mick Jones' clear singing and charged guitar breaks make his numbers righteously anthemic. Even at this early stage, The Clash were experimenting with reggae, most notably on the Junior Mervyn cover of Police and Thieves and the Extraordinary White Man in Hammersmith Palace. Uh, which is one of the five tracks added to the American edition of The Clash. Deny, Protex Blues, Cheat, and 48 Hours were removed from the British edition and replaced for the U.S. release with the British-only singles Complete Control, Whiteman, Hammersmith Palace, uh, Clash City Rockers, I Fought the Wall, and Jail Guitar Doors, all of which were stronger than the items they replaced. Though the sequencing and selection were slightly different, the core of the album remained the same, and each song retained its power individually. Few punk songs express anger quite as bracingly as White Riot, I'm So Bored with the USA, Career Opportunities, and London's Burning, and their, powers is all the, and their power is all the more incredible today. Rock and roll is rarely as edgy, invigorating, and sonically revolutionary as The Clash. All right. What do we think of The Clash? The Clash. No doubt this is like one of the best albums ever made. Yeah. So yeah. what? But, but, Great record. So, so we're, 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 I'm assuming we're all starting from that same point that like this is just one of the greatest things that ever entered your ears, right? Yes. Right. Well, I, I thought that I was really familiar with this record going into this week and I was introduced to four new Clash songs <laughs> this week. <laughs> Did, I, did you listen to the UK or the US version? I Up until this week, I've got a CD. It's the US version. It's all I knew, you know? And so I didn't, I wasn't aware that the 
if there were two versions that they were so different from each other, not even like the like half of the album's different. Well, not half of the album, a third of the album's different, but even the sequencing of the songs that, that remained like this. I th- like, I know I love the clash. I know I love the clash self-titled album, but I thought I was going to go into this week as a refresher. And I was just introduced to a partially new clash album. And definitely with the songs rearranged, it kind of has a different impact. Uh, so this was really exciting for me. It's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a Beatles thing, right? Where the, the record's completely different in America. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It feels different. I mean, it has a bit more, what did you say? Righteous anger has a bit more punk aesthetic of, of not having those breakdowns of the covers of, you know, uh, I fought the wall and, and white man. Well, they still have police and thieves though. Yeah. But it's, yeah. it's even more insulting than that on the American release. Like, fucking uh give them enough rope had been released and then they released the u.s version of the clash the clash yeah right yeah so this like, this day it's a year and a half it wasn't initially released in the u.s but then the follow-up giving them a give them enough rope that was the first one available in the u.s and i think based on the success of that one they reus reissued a u.s version oh also uh the 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 british import was like the hottest selling yeah. import in the U.S. So yeah, so in between Give Them Enough Rope and London Calling, the U.S. releases the U.S. version of The Clash's self-titled, which Robert Kreisgau referred to uh, as, I think he called it like the greatest rock and roll album ever manufactured in the USA. And he the, then clarified that the the original U.K. version is the greatest rock and roll album ever manufactured anywhere. That's <laughs> I, that's the Christ Scout take. I don't know if I can fucking argue like against it. Like this, like the British release of this record is fucking balls to the wall, amazing like songs and brilliant lyrics. Like who the fuck would have thought that Joe Strummer like fucking coming in like trying to be bob dylan would then within a year have this fucking record with the clash out it's it's insane yeah i think i think the real magic on this album is it's it's thoroughly thought out composed and written so well with pop sensibilities um and I know the the playing is not like spot on like some you know you would say well these are professional players or something but there's something about the loose energy that is so invigorating sort of like the Ramones were doing sort of like you know something that about that in the recording they didn't want it to sound like another record they wanted it to sound completely new it just it's punk it, rock, man. Yeah, I mean, it just blows everything away. I think the lasting power of it, though, is is really in the the sort of tightness of the construction of the the lyrics and in the playing. I mean, it's good playing. The uh, for for as like punk as people are like, oh yeah, it's punk rock. It's like they're doing harmonies. They're, I mean, the Clash have the best bridges. I uh, always I love you know their outros and their bridges and like the creative aspect of those things. Yeah. On my most recent listen of this, this week, I, uh, for every song I, I, I pulled up the lyrics, uh, 
I, I don't always hear your lyrics uh, first few times I listen to them. And also, like, sometimes when I've heard, like, a Clash song 40 times, but I, don't, I just don't know what Joe Strummer's saying sometimes. Uh, I, I pulled up the lyrics. And, man, when I first got into the Clash in, like, my early 20s, I was definitely more punk rock, air quotes, that, than I am right now. But me in the year 2020 at 38 am definitely a lot more socialist anti-capitalist than I was like at, <laughs> at 21 living, living comfortably in a college town. So like re reading through these lyrics, like right now, like it, 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 with like just years more experience and living in this world at this time, all these, all these songs are just like, fuck yeah, dudes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad that like, <laughs> nothing's gotten better in fucking 43 years yeah i was gonna say uh with the pandemic uh claire and i have been watching a bunch of 70s political thriller movies and uh listening to uh i'm so bored with the usa it's like uh yeah i kind of get that like that's just kind of like the, the the zeitgeist of like the post vietnam Kind of I too am bored with the USA. Like, <laughs> I wish I could go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's funny you say that too about the about not hearing the lyrics and everything because that that's one of the major reasons I think they held back on the album that they sent the album to the to CBS, who had signed them for tons of money. I mean, a crazy amount of money for a band who had, had thirty gigs. I want to say it was like a hundred. Really, like, like so, like. C CBS signed them for for this debut for tons of money. Did yeah. they just w was there some scout that was just like yeah. fucking enamored as it should as that scout should have been? Absolutely. I mean, they were burning cool. places down. There were riots for class shows. I mean, literal literal people setting cars on fire and and they knew it was a big deal. Yeah. They're a riot on their own. Exactly. But they held this album because those vocals it, it it felt too, I mean, quote unquote, too raw. And the way that they wanted to put out this new band, this, this, this new like property is that they thought, well, we can't put this out. We need another album to soften the blow. And that's where give them enough rope comes in, which has divided a lot of fans because of its production. It's really clean production for the clash. Uh, Sandy Perlman, like, created the the sort of he i mean he he was doing like boc or yeah yeah boc and some other stuff i mean it's a technically great album but it doesn't have the rawness and they thought that that would convey this new punk rock thing to america usa sort of adapt our ears so that the, 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 they're going to convey it. this new punk rock thing that the Ramones made up yeah, from exactly. the USA <laughs> fucking assholes, but they're a big is, label. You know, they is the subject matter of give them enough rope, like not as like anti-capitalist, anti-cop, anti-status anti quo anti as this one is. is what I would say. Jo Joe Strummer's always been like, I'm, I'm not political. I don't have the like political party thing, but I'm always anti-fascist. Like that's, that's his thing. This this is my vote. I vote with my dollar. I give my dollar. I don't give my dollar to fast food. I give my dollar to a person who owns a business. This is Joe Strummer's like yeah thing? It's so fucking cool. The dude was so fucking cool. They offered me the office, offered me the shop. 
never knock Every job I offer used to keep you up the dock Career opportunity, the one that never knocks I hate the army and I hate the R.A.M. Yeah, I know uh, Combat Rock. I mean, I know we're jumping. I love that one. That record. Uh, yeah, know your rights, man. Over a certain amount of money. Murder is a crime, unless it's done by a policeman uh, or an aristocrat. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, guys, this record's so good. Yeah. This, uh, <laughs> uh, I do want to say, uh, at least get it out there. One, the cover, amazing, incredible yeah. cover. I mean, I, I know everybody kind of gushes on the Ramones uh, cover, but I think the clash kind of did it a, a bit better with the sort of like ripped up uh, style with them in stark black and white, completely blown out uh, sort of ripping through this like military green. And then this pink uh, letters uh, coming through. It's like a pop art meets. They'd come back to that green and pink though. Right. With a uh, yeah. lemon calling. Yeah. yeah, which is a throwback is a to throwback Elvis, Presley. Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, yeah. 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 So it's it's really cool. Uh, and then the other thing I wanted to say is that this is the band that when my brother, um, who's probably listening, hey Trent, he, he was always like, yeah, the fish, fish, the dead, you know, like the hippie, like a bit more hippie stuff. And the, yeah, the fish, the pish is what we used to call it. Cause <laughs> pee. Uh, and I was like, no man, like crass, like dead Kennedy's like, you know, all this other stuff. The one band that everybody can just be like, yeah, that band is the clash. They have the, they transcend the spectrum of like reggae, rock and roll, blues, rock music, like everything dub, you know, it, it all like comes into this like energy um, it's hard not to like the band, but so much more than a punk band. Yeah, e- even exactly. even in their uh, debut, you know, they, they they're even like like punk's a brand new thing. This is their first record; they're a brand new thing, and they're already stretching on this record. Yeah, well, because they're because they're bringing in stuff that you don't really like unless you knew to look for it. You wouldn't see that it was there. But a lot of the uh, sonic techniques they're using are from like dub. You know, like you you wouldn't expect to hear dub on a record like this. What's your favorite lyrics on this album, Kyle? I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to have to be that guy that says White Riot. I mean, the, the I whole mean, story it, it, behind that song. Um, Quote-wise is, is no, what I was I going think, for. But, right. No, but it, I think in 2020, if you listen to White Riot and you listen to what it's about, uh, I think it couldn't be more more important than it is. It's, you know. it's it, it, absolutely prescient, I believe. I mean, that song has been misinterpreted as, like, a call to race riots, but if you really listen to... Only by idiots who don't listen to lyrics. Right? Yeah, we've got a lot of those, Rob. And and the the inspiration of of the song was the the Notting Hill riots of, like, 76, the Notting Hill Festival Carnival riots, where... Uh, was it was Joe Strummer and Mick Jones like they were hanging out and their rides yep. outside and they just ran outside to join them. But yeah, the the Notting Hill Carnival it was a festival of was it like it was it like a uh, the the Caribbean culture what it was like or East Indies or I, I'm sorry I'm speaking out my ass because I, I didn't write it, it down. It was racial profiling at like a right. It, it was like that that neighborhood of of London. It was like a cultural celebration for them and that whole yep. summer. Like the the policing policies had been very you know stop and frisk 
for the people of that neighborhood. And it just all finally bubbled over at this carnival. And it, there was riots at the carnival, people throwing stuff at the cops, cops like beating people with billy clubs and hauling them off. And yeah, so yeah, like Joe Strummer and Mick Jones, you know, it said, they joined the battle. It was it, like it, it wasn't their battle to join, but they felt compelled to join. That yeah. like like the it's, it's the they're a white white riot, you know. Like they they wanted to find their place in this in this like social social aggression activity that's happening, you know. Yeah, yeah. I've always yeah. interpreted that song as being as seeing, you know. Uh, at that time, there was a lot of immigrant. Uh, there was sort of like, oppression. Yeah, immigrant yeah. oppression. People uh, disparaging immigrants that are coming in to the to London to England, and people scapegoating those people. And this riot happens, and Joe, I think, looks at it and it says, "Well, we need to like we don't just need to riot for them. Like we like everybody needs to get on board with this. Like we." It's not, it's not, it, it's a f- affecting them, but we need to also be rioting. We need to have our, like, join forces and be like, no, let's, we just need to blow it up. We need to create this. Yeah. This. Are you sure this album's not from this year? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't my favorite Clash record. Is it your guys' favorite Clash record? Well, it's not my favorite. No. What is your favorite Clash This band record? released London Calling. It might be my favorite debut, though. Really? Uh, for, for for punk, yeah. Better than Absolutely. Ramones? Absolutely. Yeah, better than Ramones for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I. It's okay, and punk's Kyle. Got, punk's got some good debuts, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. Now, I think part of the part of the reason that it's it it comes into its own is Paul uh, Simonon uh, learns to play bass <laughs> for real, for real. And they get Topper. Terry Chimes is out, and Topper is a brilliant the, drummer. The class, uh, that documentary, Westworld to the World, what was it called? I haven't seen it. Westway to the World. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the Clash was kind of a boy band. Yeah, a bit. Well, Paul is. They The way they were put together. Well, not really. I mean, Mick did tryouts for sure. But Joe Strummer was a squatter. I mean, he was just squatting. In a, he was playing in oh, the yeah. one-on-oners. And For Mick sure. was like... Is this before he was living oh, at Mick great. Jones's grandma's house? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where this album was like writ, written and stuff. Yeah. But they picked Paul because he was like, you look cool. Because he, you know, came from the... Uh, I think it was a Ugandan part of town. He uh, does look cool. Yeah, and he was always dressed up and, you know... Had had the look. He's very handsome. Always, you know, had the look. But yeah, and then they tried out like a, I think it was three hundred drummers before they got Topper, because he's a Topper's yeah. not even on this record. No, uh, he was on I think a couple of the singles that are on the U.S. but not on this. It's, one. Yeah, it's Terry Chimes on this album who is now a chiropractor, and not on the album cover. No, uh, album cover yeah, just, just not, uh, yeah. yeah, Mick, Mick, Joe, and Paul. And then there was another, uh, what Keith Levine was briefly, but I think he was out before this album. He just wrote "What's My Name," I think. But that was uh, we just listened in our headphones to "Career Opportunities," which was Paul singing, I believe. Also, is that is that the first Oi of punk rock? It might be. I don't think we've heard an Oi to date. Do I don't think we heard an Oi on Dictators or Ramones. 
I think Weather Report had an oi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right the yeah. Like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love that job opportunities in part comes from Mick Jones's real life where he had a job opening uh, letters to see if they had bombs in them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> opening packages. He's like, well, somebody's got to open these. <laughs> Here's your job. You can open these or you can be a cop. Minimum wage punk over there. Yeah. I was going to say, is has there been a, a band, and I'm sorry if I'm hogging the mic, Clash, you're like huge, huge. You're influence, not, so. you're not, buddy. Okay. You're good. Does anybody recall a band that has lyrics that feel immediate? I mean, there are Against things, me. What's that? Against me. No, up until, on this project. Oh, up until this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I understand, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a lot more of that, but for me, the clash have a sort of way of speaking. That's just like, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to, you know, I, I can carefully construct, uh, songs, but this is what's going on. Personally. Not here. He, he's here to educate. Yeah. yeah. Not, 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 not in that way. No. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'm so bored with the USA. Yeah. It's just a, a blatant, you know, sort of statement. And I know that the, Ramones kind of have now I want to sniff some glue, you know, kind of that stuff. <laughs> like it's just Ramones weren't talking about Watergate. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. This is yeah, this is a bit different. I mean, like what also, I guess Gil Scott Heron, but Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. That's a good that's a good point. There is some spoken word stuff like that. Like Nina Simone. hmm Some of those Yeah. I like the chosen adjective of bored. You know, it is it's very, very punk, I guess. You know, like I like that like he it, never. I, I like that he never. Uh, the is never put into it, so he goes, "I'm so bored with you." S A. Mm-hmm. That was the original format of the song. Yeah, it, like it, it wasn't. They they changed all the lyrics. Yeah, yep. To to make it about yeah, the USA. Yeah. That's so it's one of those things. It, like he's so got good. all these reasons to be angry. But there's there's nothing he can do about U.S. culture, about Yankee culture. Uh, he can beat his head a wall against it uh, about it, uh, or he, he can just sing about it in a song. But uh, it, it just it's just he's just bored with it, and I, I get that. You know, like, yeah, I'm upset too. about it, and there's nothing I can do about it. And at this point, I'm just fucking bored. My favorite uh, lyrics on the on this record, my, my personal favorite. We're, we're since we're closing into the end of this record because it's so good that you can talk about it the whole thing, and it's I'm drunk 
at the end of the day, though, uh, yeah, but back in the garage with my bullshit detector, I think is my favorite line, like, ever <laughs> put down by a punk. <laughs> so good. So good. So, do you guys have a favorite uh, Clash record that's not this? or? Yeah, London Calling, probably. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, I love London Calling, and I love Sandinista. Sure. Um, I, I like Combat Rock. Plenty, I like side but, one yeah. of Combat Rock, especially. Yeah. Side, side, side one, I think, is airtight. Side two... I think it's got a few leaks in it, but definitely not enough that I'm going to talk any shit on Combat Rock. My favorite Clash record is probably the live record they did when they were opening for The Who in the late 70s. Have you guys heard that one? No. Interesting. Uh, no, I haven't. I want to shame. But I would like to see that show. Oh my God. <laughs> what's, the, what's the title of it? Uh, I'd have to look it up. I okay. don't have it. I don't have the information in front of me. But yeah, um, I've heard a couple a live. And they're, great they're... recording. Yeah, they're always pretty good, pretty good live. That's another thing. Great live band. I mean, yeah, them opening for the Who in the late seventies. Like, have you guys ever listened to their last album? Their super no, controversial which, last album. Which, which one's that? Is it uh, is it Cut the Crap or are you talking about? Yeah, that? Cut the Crap. Yeah, I've heard them all. Garbage. I got the box set. <laughs> like, it's is that uh, even included in the box set? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, if I recall. Correctly, I think they put everything. Birch, what kills me, and we can get into it when we get back into the Pogues eventually, is just like the fact that Joe Strummer like took up Shane McGowan's like mantle, and they never recorded a record with him. Yeah, man, I would have loved to hear that oh, record. Oh, fucking ah, just I, I, I want, I wish we were living in that timeline, but only if we didn't have to give up Bowie in this one. Album so good. It, 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 it constantly gives. Yeah, yeah. You were talking about what's your favorite Clash. It's weird because I don't even I don't even try to think about that anymore because it's it's kind of a mood. If I'm okay. in the mood for I respect that a uh, a more wide array of of well crafted songs, I would go with like London Calling. If I'm in yep. the mood for maybe more nostalgia and energy i would go with i would go with uh, the first record if i'm into a precise uh sort of refined uh sort of a polished record i would go with Arch. give enough i would go with give enough rope um okay yeah it's it's weird and of course combat rack has its own merits for you know the sort of dance ability and and, pop and i will singles. bump some combat rock man yeah yeah i just want to give a shout out to my sister who is the big clash fan of my family so thanks laura hey laura so i mean what do you guys think about like the, what we're listening to in our cans right now is police and thieves which is the junior mervin cover and junior mervin did not like what they did with it <laughs> he didn't I mean, not to be confused with junior marvin the guitar player <laughs> for the Whalers who loves the Clash. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't, well, I, I mean, don't know like, about that last part. But I think it's one of those things where it's like an inevitability, I guess, sort of where it's like, okay, this element of blending reggae and dub with punk is coming. Like it's, it's you know. Yeah, people, definitely. People absorb definitely. what they're experiencing. And if you, you know, Bob Marley did, what is it? Like punk party or whatever on the album uh, that he released. reggae party. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of marley's answer to this cover of police and thieves but junior mervin when he heard it was like they're ruining jaw's work like <laughs> you're, you're destroying this but i like what they do with it you know it's i'm not against someone 
taking a song and making it their own in a way, in a way that hopefully at least lets other people, you know, have a, have a pathway into the original, maybe, you know, like there's a lot of people that wouldn't have heard junior Mervin's song. If it hadn't been for this song, for this cover. When I first heard this album in my twenties, upon first listen, I liked the whole thing, but even before I even knew it was a cover, my, my favorite song, the song that stuck out to me most was police and thieves. Maybe because it kind of touches on, you know, what would eventually become, you know, like, like the specials and like that op Ivy and all that stuff. Madness. And you know, I, I, I always like that stuff, but just like, I liked the clash. I liked, I, I already liked London calling at the time that when I first heard this album, but yeah, that, that version of police and thieves, that was like my v- first ear hook for this album. And, and uh, first of very many ear hooks for this album. Well, it's a fucking catchy song. Like I, if I had to have both, I would probably say I want, if I could only pick one, I would pick the junior Mervin version, but that's because I like dudes singing in falsetto. Oh, and so. his, his version is just so, it's just like dripping in reverb. It's like that junior Mervin, Mervin version. It, it's, it's a trip. Yeah. It's got a ton of that, that dub reverb and echo. Yeah. yeah. And also his like very distinct falsetto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. In the street. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the I mean one of the big reasons for that is and correct me if I'm wrong, but is the Roxy uh that was the punk club which I'm I'm losing the name. Uh the punk club that was open for 100 days, they debuted in 1977 uh or they got the clash to play on January 1st, 1977. Um but they're the one of the owners there was no punk uh albums to play during in between bands you know the bands get up they play 20 minutes or whatever because the punk bands were there because it's punk (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then they they need something to fill the 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 space and they played hardcore reggae dub that was yeah and i think that's what exposed it to the bands yeah yeah and so that got into a lot of uh that sort of crossover in London at the time is I think what really injected that, that sort of style, what kind of gave everybody an idea of doing, you know, ska and starting the, the madness starting and having that element of, you know, it was, it was like revolutionary music, but from a completely different side, different place in the world. Similar message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like take take like strip away. I guess uh, the the verses about religion. Yeah, like the verses about like so, so social action is yeah. similar message. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Jamaica at this point in time still a fucking uh, British colony? I think they achieved their independence in seventy six. Let me check. So, um, at about this time. I was wrong. Nineteen sixty two. Okay. Uh, no, so. My bad. Four thousand pounds this cost to make, recorded over three weekends. They just did Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, I guess they were just kind of knocking out like what they did in live shows, right? Like this is their set, kind of right. Right. They had yeah. to get back to their their boring jobs that most of these songs are about how much they hate, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or or they won't do because they don't get blown up by our IRA bombs. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Mick Jones would prefer not to, but I think he still was yeah, for a little still while. doing the job. That's right. He sings about how he doesn't want to, 
but he, he was still doing it. Well, yeah, it's like, do you want to open these bomb, these mails, this mail, which could be bombs, or do you want to be a cop? He's like, oh, I guess I'll open the mail. Or do you want to make tea for the BBC? <laughs> That's a wanna pretty good a, job. I want to be in a band, brah. Make tea, man. I want to be back in the garage with my bullshit detector. <laughs> what, 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 are, what are some of the lyrics in Garage Land? Like, well, there's five guitars and one microphone. And like, yeah, dude, I like that. It, it's yeah. like about just like the, the impoverished punk scene. And I also like, like, you know, Joe Strummer always seeing the, the silver linings. Uh, like, like the punk scene was so impoverished that, yeah, everyone needed to share a mic. Everyone needed to share share gear. But it just was a, a breeding ground for this, you know, you know, com- camaraderie and and like communal scene, which is just baked into to any good punk rock. You know, they come from garage land. Uh, I don't think I'm even going to go around the room because if you don't like this, you're probably going to get kicked off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a dum-dum if you don't like this. Um, yeah, fucking amazing. We did it. One of the best, man. One of the best. Yeah, called the, I mean, most notably called the only band that matters. <laughs> and, and, and Probably so. It's... This band is so important, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next time we'll be talking about David Bowie. Whoa. All right, thank y'all.